RadioInfluence.com. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. It is that time. It is time for an interview edition of the MMA Report podcast. I've got three fighter interviews here on this edition of the podcast. You're going to hear from Zach Cummings, who is coming off a win in his retirement matchup there at UFC Kansas City. And you know, if you've listened to this show for a long time, you know I don't believe that R word in MMA. And that's actually how the conversation with Zach did kick off as we talked about that. Also, I thought I had a really fascinating conversation about judges and referees, particularly in the state of Kansas and the state of Missouri, where Zach puts on shows. Really interesting conversation that Zach had there. You hear that here momentarily. Also, you're going to hear from a man is coming off a victory in the most recent Fury FC car, getting a win there in the main event, got a decision victory. And it's a man that we saw back on the Contender Series in 2021, Colton Ungland. He has now put together a nice little winning streak, so I had a chance to catch up with him, talk to him, what has been going on with him, and, of course, his most recent victory here. And then the final interview you're going to hear is with a man, is a middleweight prospect out of the state of Alabama, and that is Christian Eccles. You may remember his name. He is the fighter that went into Bellator as a 9-1 to betting underdog and got a win against Pat County Jr. So I had a chance to catch up with Christian. So all those interviews come up here on this episode of the podcast. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, maybe this is your first time checking out the podcast. If you leave a rating and review on your for the podcasting platform you're listening to, that would be much appreciated. Of course, uh, you know, as I sit here on a Monday, of course, we had the UFC event over this past weekend. Song Yudong, what he was able to do, get that victory there against Ricky Simone. But really, the big news in MMA probably has to be going on what's going on with the now former UFC heavyweight champion, Francis Ngannou. And of course, the, the free agency of Francis Ngannou. We've seen how all this has played out since the UFC parted ways with him and you saw BKFC and you know they bounced out of the equation Bellator bounced out of the equation and then this morning it comes out that one championship says hey we're bowing out of this situation and earlier today on his uh, podcast Ariel Hawani you know mentioned about a conversation that he had with Francis Ngannou and and I think that it's one of these things where to me, it's really becoming very evident that it's only a matter of time before we're going to have an announcement that Francis Ngannou has signed an MMA contract with the PFL. I mean, I think that's naturally going to happen. And I, I think that, you know, it's one of these stories in sports where you got to try to piece everything together. Everyone's going to put their version of the story that's going to make them look the best. And, you know, what what Chartree did here with one championship and his quote here, where he says, I met with Francis yesterday for almost three hours. Uh, one has decided to withdraw from the process of bidding for Francis Ngannou's services. After careful reflection, we decided not to submit our final offer. Francis is a good guy and a good champion. I wish him continued success and happiness. And if you've not seen that clip from Ariel's show, basically Ariel painting the picture that, you know, essentially Francis has been working on something else. I, I fully expect that it's going to be the PFL. And, you know, it was a couple weeks ago, that I talked about the Scott Coker comments and when Scott with with what Scott said 
it told me everything. And and I think that for a lot of promoters, that Francis Ngannou has probably you know, put a financial figure out there that a lot of promoters may not want to meet because they may be looking at it and saying, hey, can you make money on Francis Ngannou? And, and to me, Francis going to the PFL, which is my expectation, I, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, whether it's this week, next week, whenever, that he's going to be a part of the PFL roster and a part of their pay-per-view model. Makes all the sense in the world, you know, for that to happen. And, of course, as someone uh, hit me up earlier today, and they're basically like, okay, so Francis goes to the PFL, what's the fight that gets you excited? And I'm like, yeah, you're not wrong about that. <laughs> you know, that, that is going to be, in, and that is going to be the biggest issue. But I think the, the one way to describe What's going on with Francis Ngannou to me is simply of every person that's involved in the story, they're going to want to get the side of the story out there that makes them look the best. And it is going to be interesting that whenever Francis Ngannou, you know, signs a contract and look, you know, Francis Ngannou clearly is going for the bag and I don't blame the guy. Go out and get the bag. But as I told somebody earlier today, I said, my thing about Francis Ngannou is I just really wonder if he's not fighting under the UFC banner, what kind of pay-per-view draw is he? And it'll be fascinating to see what he can do in mixed martial arts. Can he get that big boxing matchup? You know, I mean, look, if he, if he gets that big boxing matchup, he's going to be the clear B side of that fight. And quite frankly, I, 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 I don't think it goes well in boxing for him. I really don't. Um, you know, but it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this plays out and, and we hear more sides of the story. But, uh, you know, the, like when I think about this Francis Ngannou story, I, I still I go back to that Scott Coker comments. And that, that to me told me everything where Scott Coker, you know, basically paraphrasing what Scott Coker said. Scott Coker's going, yeah, he, he put a financial offer out there that we just were not willing to meet there. And so it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this one does play out. But, you know, I, I think what you see here with, with, with Chartree did here is I think Chartree's trying to go out there and he was kind of getting a little bit ahead of, ahead of the story. Of course, one championship is going to be a big player this week in mixed martial arts making their United States debut in Colorado. I will tell you, I have certain opinions about that show. And I know that there are people out there that I don't think they want to be fully transparent with things about this show. But I, I will say this to anyone who wants to, whatever your opinions are, one championship, do your thing. At the end of the day, the state of Colorado got commission shopped and there's things that Colorado was willing to do that I will tell you, I know other commissions were not willing to do. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this one does uh, play out here coming up uh, this weekend. That's uh, that's on Friday, Cinco de Mayo. As uh, This is one of those weeks where uh, I'm out of town a lot this week. I'm, I'm over in Orlando for a couple of days. Then I come home for like... 16 hours and then uh, I'm back on the road go up to Tallahassee as my niece is going to be graduating from Florida State this weekend so I'll be in a college town for Cinco de Mayo so that ought to be a little bit interesting and uh, maybe see if I can uh, find a way to watch UFC 288 on Saturday night of course Aljo and Cejudo I, I mean I love that one and the co-main events a great one too with Bilal Muhammad and Goa Burns of course uh, myself and Dan we will have a podcast that'll come out on Thursday evening where we're going to preview UFC 288, so be sure to keep it locked there. But I know you're here for the interview, so let's get right into the interviews. Up first, you're going to hear the conversation I have with Zach Cummings. Then it will be with Colton Unglin, and then the final conversation will be with middleweight prospect Christian Eccles. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who won his retirement fight, and for people who listen to my show, they know. I don't believe that R word 
in uh, combat sports. Zach, are, are we? You know, I, I was last night when I knew I was going to have you on the show. I'm, I'm watching your interview with Ariel, and I'm, I'm as this conversation is coming up, I'm like, ooh, I, I, I'm not sure I quite believe this R word. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm still talking myself into it. You know, I'm still dealing with it. I'm, uh, I, I can never beat that moment. It was just. It was a perfect storm of so many things coming together, and I just, I don't know if it's uh, if it's worth like ruining it. I, I think I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I need to have that moment to be done, but I've always just wanted to like be smart about my exit, and I, I just, I don't know. Like I love fighting. I, I was like, I would love to do it again. I just don't know. Um, I don't know. The thing is, as I was listening to what you were saying, and you know, you're talking about the the back injury they had and, and the recovery from that, and it made me think about, uh, you know, I I, I produced an NFL players radio show, and I remember one time we were kind of talking about where we were we were sitting there, and it was like Sports Center was on, and some guy was talking about retirement. And I was like, when, when will you know? And he said, he goes, I'm not gonna be the guy that hangs around. He goes, my body's gonna tell me, and it kind of it, it made me wonder what was there maybe a point. Over the last year or so, you're like, is my body telling me that it's only got one more left in it? Yeah, close. I mean, I, uh, I've i been battling, you know, injuries and, and everything for, for years, you know, uh, for a long time. So my body definitely is, is at the end of it, you know, for, for this road. And, and I get that. I know that. But I also, like – I didn't want to go too far to where now I can't even train. I can't do the stuff I love to do. I can't, you know, coaching is going to be a lot harder if I'm not able to, to really do the stuff that I'm trying to show and explain. And uh, I'm a very visual person and it would be very hard for me to continue to do the things I love to do. Um, if I push it just a little too far and, and get to that point, I don't really know if it's, if it's worth risking that. And as someone who does suffer from back pain, I, 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 I feel like for people who've never had back pain, they just, you don't know. Like, I mean, I remember when, when my back flares up on me and I haven't had what you've had, like getting out of bed is like the worst part of the day. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. I got I went back and like, I've, I've got a pretty, really pretty bad shoulder too that I've been dealing with for a long time. I've had to completely modify my, my, my game around basically. So, you know, between those two things, it's, you know, I, again, like I, I just, I still want to make sure I can do this stuff and, and, you know, teach, uh, you know, teach these guys, these kids in the gym and, and my kids and still want to be able to have a body build to, to be a dad and just play and stuff. So it's like, I know I can fight. I know I can get in there and do it. I just, you know, the training to prepare for it. I, I don't know how many more of those my body can really hold up for. In, in terms of this last three years, like was there was there a moment where you're just like, I just don't think this is going to happen? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there was uh, multiple. So, I mean, there was – when it first happened, obviously, was like the lowest of the low. I mean, it was – it lasted three months, which in the grand scheme of things isn't much, but, you know, three months of not being able to get out of bed and, you know, your wife has to help you get dressed. Like, I just was unable to really do anything. Um, it got to a point where I didn't even care about like fighting ever again. It was, you know, just being, uh, somewhat normal, I guess, uh, physically and just, uh, to, 
to be able to walk and play with my kids and hang out and, you know, not be in pain 24 seven. So that, uh, you know, that was a big part of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, yeah, it, it, it was rough. So it's like, you know, and then as it got over time, you know, it started mm-hmm. getting better, but I still didn't know if I would truly be able to put everything together again, train for a couple months at very high intensity, you know, to get ready for that fight. I just don't know if it was ever really going to be able to, to withstand it. And luckily it it did. I mean, I really didn't know until I just took the fight and did it and uh, it it held up. I was actually surprised and very happy it did. If I'm talking to you five years from now and you think about this fight, it, it, is it going to be, are you, are you mainly going to think about sharing that moment with your family after the victory? Yeah, I, it was, there was so many just phenomenal moments itself, uh, in that whole night. Like it, there was a few different things that stood out that was like very slow motion, you know, like you go through it, but there was like pauses that it just kind of took over and like it really stood out and uh i remember one was you know just with the coaching staff and like just a short workout before even got done just knowing that that's probably going to be like the last time we ever do that so like little you know a little moment with the team that stood out uh one of the big ones was right when so ed walked out and then after he walks out like they bring you on the other side of the curtains yeah so I'm standing there. They haven't even started announcing, but I'm like staring at like my wife, my daughter, like a lot of my friends. And then right over here, uh, up a little bit, you've got like a lot of my original team that I started with. Uh And then over here, I have like some of my teammates now. And it just, it was like family, like original, like OG team and family. And then, you know, this, it's like everything was perfect before I even had to walk out and stuff just seeing everybody there uh that moment right there meant a lot just because it was so much and then you know the the red kingdom chant the walkout was crazy just so much but yeah i think spending the moment with my daughter in the cage was i mean it uh the emotion on my face obviously said everything yeah. I, th- there is no beating that one that was uh that that's one of those moments that i'm going to cherish for you know <laughs> the rest of my life for sure you know, I, I think, you know, we always, you know, in combat sports, you know, the, the symbolic moment is leaving the gloves in the cage. But, you know, I got to imagine the gloves have made it way back to the, to the Zach household. So, like, where, is there a special place that you think you'll, you'll have those and just as a, a memory of everything you've done? I mean, hopefully. I uh, Actually, I've tried to keep my gloves, hand wraps, and, and my fight shorts of all of my fights in the UFC, and I was – like when I first did it, I'm like, cool, like I'm going to get the shadow box and everything. And then I had another fight and then another fight. And then, like, you know, 14 fights in the UFC deep. I would have never imagined that. So um, I don't know if I will put all of them up, but I think the uh, the debut and the retirement will definitely have to make their way somewhere special. Like as we're talking about August 28th, 2013. So this is after the ultimate fighter ultimate fight night, 27 against Benny Alloway. Is there something about that night that, uh, still sticks in your memory? Oh, that, that night was, 
pretty insane of uh, highs and lows. Honestly, it was uh, like the greatest night of my life, followed by a very hard time. I had a so obviously like my life goal in this sport was like let's get to the UFC and let's let's win a fight. Let's prove that I can win at that level. That was kind of my my ultimate goal. Like no one around my area knew how to get to the UFC. No one had, you know, like, so just fighting there was crazy. So I, uh, that night, you know, my, most of those dreams came true. You know, I, I stepped up first round submission, win, got a finish, got a win, got a submission of the night bonus, like life changed overnight for me. Uh, yeah, biggest time of my life. And then I had, you know, after party, we're kind of hanging out a little bit. Well, then my mom pulled me out of the bar and uh, basically told my dad was in in a coma. So he kind of went there, which he's been battling. Mm -hmm. He was battling stuff for like most of my life. You know, he had a kidney transplant, a real bad, uh, you know, kidney disease, ended up having like multiple heart surgeries and stuff. So he was he ended up getting uh, cancer and was kind of battling that and stuff. So, but while we were out there on fight time, he, uh, he kind of went out, they couldn't recess him. And then, so he was kind of in a, you know, in a coma, just kind of being held there by machines and stuff. And, and I was his decision maker. So basically as soon as that happened, yeah, they didn't want to tell me until after the fight. So just didn't want to affect it. And they knew that, you know, no matter what, no one wanted to take that moment from me, yeah. you know? And, but yeah, so right off the bat, I, I got that, uh, I got that information and, you know, I had to go and say my goodbyes to my dad, like right after it, you know, and then they, uh, they actually was going to take him off everything. And he ended up waking up randomly and, uh, -huh. uh you know, like most amazing, you know, it was just crazy how they wouldn't plan on it. And, uh, they already tried to take him off a couple of times and he wasn't going to make it. So yeah. third, but yeah, he ended up waking up, like thought we were joking with him that he's been out this whole time. <laughs> Uh, but then he, you know, he came to and he got to hear and learn about, you know, his kids' life goal coming true and dreams mm -hmm. and stuff. So uh, I, I, he got to hang around for about another six weeks or so, and then he finally passed away. But it was that that week was just insane. Of like that happened for me, but then you know problems with family. But then he woke up and got to like realize what happened for his son stuff, which I feel like is pretty special for being a parent now. Um, yeah, so I'll never forget that uh, the debut. Obviously, the fight was great, but the the whole just roller coaster will, will stand out. And for you now, is it more about paying it forward? I mean, obviously, you talk about you know being a coach, and obviously, you know, being there for your family, but also you, you have your own MMA promotion as well. Is that kind of as you you you're looking at this as the next stage of of, of your life? Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, this is. Uh, very much a passion. I'm, I'm a, still a fan of the sport. I love watching it. Uh, I just love being around, being a part of it. So, I mean, yeah, if, uh, this is the ninth year. My gym's been in business, and uh, yeah, I, I love like and I like coaching. I like uh, you know coaching these high level guys and everything. But just your everyday members and your recreational members, and like mm -hmm. seeing how it changes their life, it's it means a lot to me and stuff. So I, I get a lot of joy with the gym and everything there. And then, you know, obviously uh, being a fan, but also a fighter and a coach, like I know, I know what I like to see 
uh, as a coach, as a fighter, mm-hmm. you know, as a fan, the things I like to see. So, yeah, I just wanted to, to start a promotion and, you know, kind of run it on my standards of, of things on, you know, across the board. And, yeah, it's a – I get to coach these guys, and I also get to see the local guys have a, a platform to, to show their skill set because there's, there's not a lot of promotions around anymore since uh, uh, COVID happened. Just a mm-hmm. lot of went away. So – that's one of the reasons I started it, and it's it's fun. It's been, uh, you know, it's it's been stressful, but it's also been you know, a lot of fun, and uh, just kind of moving on to the next venture, I guess. Yeah, no, I know. I live here in Tampa, Florida, and yeah, it's we had one long-standing promotion. They, you know, they pretty much kind of went away, and um, there's not really there's there's Amy shows, but. Uh, Outside of a, a local show, yeah, there's not much, you know, there's not much local MMA around here, unless, like, when CFFC comes to town. No, gotcha. Yeah, but uh, but one thing I, I did I did find interesting, you know, you were talking about judging, and honestly, judging's always, look, I don't care whether we're talking five years ago, now, ten years from now, we're always going to be talking about, you know, judging. Like, yeah. did you ever maybe consider thinking about being a judge, or are you like, no, I don't, I don't want to put myself in that, that seat? I mean, I'm not going to say I wouldn't, but there is uh, so in, so I'm in Kansas city, right? I'm right on the border of, you know, part of it's in Kansas, part of it's mm-hmm. in Missouri. Yeah. So me promoting, I promote in, uh, in both States. So I've got shows that we'll do in Missouri mm-hmm. and ones we'll do in Kansas and seeing, so working with a couple different of the commissions, it's different. So the thing about Missouri which I understand, but I also see a lot of issues with is if you do sign on to judge ref or, you know, any, uh, anything on, on that line, like you can have nothing to do with any gyms. So you can't, you cannot be connected at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I understand that aspect of like, you know, you don't want to be biased and stuff of yeah. certain gyms or regions, whatever it is. But the other side of that is you're telling me these people have zero training. Right. They can't train anymore. Yeah. So, so like that's where the knowledge base comes from as well. So it's like it, it's it's a double edged sword. So like Kansas, you know, you can have that, uh, you know, thing. So most of the, uh, the the refs, most of the judges, you know, a lot of the commissioners like, you know, they they're black belts. They train in uh, martial arts and stuff. So they're connected as well. So it's like. You know, I guess if I did it, you know, I'd have to like go on the Kansas side because there's no way yeah. I'm going to give up my, my tie to the gym as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, my thing about that is, and I think about the incident that happened, I guess it's been a month, month and a half ago there in Fury where the guy was literally yeah. out three times. And, and I remember I saw it after the fact. And my first thought was like, has that referee never been in a choke to understand what's going on? And like, I do think that there's got to be something about if you're a judge or a referee that you should have some base knowledge of, hey, what's it feel like to be in a in a rear naked choke? What's it feel like to be in an arm bar? Yeah, yeah, no, it's I, I think, yeah, in, in order to be a educated, like a true, not just watching things yeah, but yeah. like a truly educated person uh, of the things that you're judging or uh or refing yeah i mean i don't know how you don't do it and not train like i just i don't get it you yeah. know so which i think which is why some of the judging comes from old school boxing judges uh-huh. who don't have you know 
really a ton of information on wrestling, grappling, all that stuff. So, yeah, I think that also kind of messes with, with the judging some. I don't know. It's yeah, I don't know what the right or wrong answer is, but I, yeah, <laughs> I think it's gonna be someone we're gonna be talking about for for a long time. I know, you, I know, you just had a show uh, last weekend. Uh, when's your next show gonna be? Uh, I have uh, we're gonna, we're gonna try a little uh, event. We've got a boxing kickboxing show. Okay, because uh, I, I have a ring as well, so um, we're gonna do that May twentieth in Neosho, Missouri, okay. and then we're uh, we'll come back with our uh, full bone MMA show uh, June seventeenth here in Kansas City. So awesome. you know, we yeah we got them all uh, got them booked, and it's just you know building them and get some fun fights going. Awesome. Look forward to seeing those fights and enjoy retirement. Uh, Zach, as always, man, I appreciate time. And uh, anything you want to mention about your promotion, anything else you got going on floor yours, man? Yeah, I mean, check me out uh, at Zach Cummings on any social media. Uh, I got my gym, Ignite Academy, and that uh, this fight promotion, which is Synergy Fighting Championships. Any information's on SynergyFights.com. So check those out. Hit me up if you guys have a question. Um, but as always, thanks for having me on. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who's coming off a victory there at Fury FC in the main event. Got a decision victory. He has now won four in a row. Colton, uh, appreciate the time. Congratulations on the victory, man. It's, it's been a couple of days uh, you know, since that fight. Are, are, are we still kind of in the relaxing stage, or are we already back in the gym? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, we. Um, I took, like, was it about three days to relax and Today was my first day back uh, to training hard, uh, doing two day two a days again. We gotta stay ready for a short nose UFC call. And obviously, you've been on a roll since since that matchup on the Contender Series. Unfortunately, that that night it did not go the way you had hoped it would have gone. Like, was there any major takeaways that you you took away from that that you know obviously has led into this winning streak? Yeah, I um, there there was a lot of things that I I uh, had. Told, I think I was telling, uh, um, talking to one of my coaches about it was that uh, I was, when I was going into that, I was kind of like uh, still, still pretty sad because my mom passed away and I, you know, and then whenever they showed like the, the video and the pictures right on the screen, right before I walked out, they showed a picture of my mom and I it just kind of messed me up and I think I needed time to, um, to just feel it for a while and then get back in the gym and, and instead of being angry all the time, I, I was, I, I had time to relax and, and uh, enjoy training again. And, and of course, 2022 was an incredible year for you. As you think of 2022, like, is there a way you can describe how 2022 went for you in terms of your MMA career? It was good. Uh, there was the COVID thing and, uh, me and Lester Batra is my my MMA coach. We we just trained through the whole COVID and we're just kind of hanging out, training two three times a day every day. And then then COVID lifted and Fury was the first ones back, and we had to stay in a hotel and be tested several times. So we we got on a roll. Uh, a lot of people didn't want to do that. So but we were like, hey man, we want to fight. Let's go. We've been training hard. Uh, but that that year was really good for me. I, I rattled off three wins in a row, and um, fought on uh, Dana Wise looking for a fight, and um, and then fought another main event and knocked the guy out in the third round. Then I had contender series. 
Like, like as you think, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of bad things we can kind of look at when you know our world was shut down, and obviously for someone like yourself, there wasn't regional shows going on, so you couldn't compete. But you know, and remember, I had you know coaches say like, you know, hey, you can you can look at the pause or you can look at negatives. Let's look at the positives, and, and this gives you an opportunity to level up your game. I, is that the way you look at that time period of okay, you know what? Yeah, it sucks. I can't get in there, but this is giving me a great opportunity to be able to expand. You know, your the the toolbox. Yes, exactly. It was my time to get stronger, faster, smarter. I did a lot of studying fights. We uh, studied new things to add to my toolbox. And uh, I, me and my coach just always said, you know, whenever they lift this, we're going to be ready to go. <laughs> and we're going to be the first ones on that card. So, And they did, and we were ready to go, and we just started rattling them off. And as you think about this win here against Nick there at Fury, like as you know, a decision victory for yourself, I mean, how, how do you evaluate how the fight went down? I felt it was pretty good. Um, a lot of before the fight, a lot of people were saying, "Hey, man, this guy's super tough." You know, no one only like one or, one guy has finished him there, and and he's insanely hard to finish. And and I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I still think that I'm gonna be able to finish him. And um, then then the the fight started, and I was thinking, yeah, I want to box with him, mm-hmm. and uh, and and kind of. I'm going to try to knock him out on the feet. And I had heard that he was a good boxer. You know, he had boxed even uh, Evander Holyfield's son. And and he had a lot of pro experience in the in the ring. But as I was standing with him, I just kind of felt a little awkward on his timing is, is the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. He had an awkward style, an awkward time. So I always have my wrestling and jiu-jitsu that I train a lot. And I... Uh, my coach just said, "Hey, just put him on his back and let's uh, try to pound him out," and and that was easy to me. Um, I, I didn't want to. I, I don't like a very interesting thing about myself is I don't like a fight to go to decision. I get I get bored during the fight, and if you if you can watch it, it after the first round ended, I was angry. Like I was mad that. I was going past the first round. Um, I'm very hard on myself. So, like, my coach told me, hey, take him down and let's try to rough him up on the ground a little bit, maybe make him tired. And so then I, I took him down, and it was very easy. I, you know, and then uh, and it was easy. He he couldn't get up. He, I don't think he tried to get up. Um, I think he tried, but it was very easy to hold him down, put it that way. And then um, – and I, I was thinking, ah, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to get some kind of highlight knockout or anything doing this. So I was getting frustrated. And then, uh, so then my coach told me, hey, you know, second round, come out and let's um, let's uh, let's push them, push the pace on on the hands a little bit more and see if we can find an opening. And so I did. And then he had that awkward timing still, uh-huh. and he he wasn't bad. He he was not bad. Uh, he he was he was fast to counter over the top of my jab, and um, you know I was trying to cut him off on the cage, and my coach told him, "Hey, put him on his back again." And I was like, "Ah, all right, this is what I did." <laughs> but I I got him some good shots. There was a point in the third round when I had him in a cage, and I passed his guard. That was one thing that was really hard to do with this guy was to pass his guard. I passed his guard, and I was in half, and I I I started a 
uh, a ground and pound going, you know, bang, 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 bang. And he, he started covering up. So I was like, oh, it's going to be over. It's going to be over. And then he started moving again. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you, you mentioned about your mindset after the first round. Is that one of those things that when you and your coach go back and, and watch the fight after the fact that it for you it's more about, okay, in the moment, I kind of had these these thoughts, but then when you went back and watched it, you're like, oh, damn, man, I, I did a lot of good things in there that maybe I just didn't realize in the moment. Exactly. That is that is my biggest downfall. I will I will think that some, this guy's beating me when I just completely mauled him the whole round. And, and I, I'm, I'm hard on myself like that because I think, ah, the fight's pretty close. When in reality, when I, after the fight, I come back home and I watch it, I was like, wow, I actually look pretty good. <laughs> yeah. and, you, you know, and you mentioned the fact of, you know, obviously you're, you're hoping that, you know, this victory potentially can, can lead to whether, you know, it's a, a full notice, you know, fight in the UFC or, or a short notice fight. I mean, is that just, is that simply the mentality right now of like, just stay ready just in case a call does come? Yes. I, I believe I deserve to be in the UFC right now. Um, I think I said it in the post-fight interview whenever I fought. Uh, you know, I didn't get the finish, but neither did about, I think, like 26 people that <laughs> that fought this guy, and, and yeah. he fought a bunch of killers. Um, I, my mindset right now is that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for a short-notice UFC. Um, I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm strong as I've ever been. Um, I'm, I'm just... I'm ready, ready for that uh, next step up because, like I said, uh, and it's it's not um, me being um, and cocky in any way, shape, or form. It's just that, you know, I said it. I said it in the, on the mic that before the fight, me and my coach can literally just say, you know, okay, let's just take them down. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Let's do that, and let's win. And I can do that with anybody here locally. I I feel like. I need to be tested at the next level to people that are going to get up on me mm-hmm. that are going to, that are going to uh, challenge me and taking people down into getting me into wars on the feet and, and kind of opening my game up because I still haven't shown what I can really do from what I do in the gym. And what I do in the cage is two different people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have training partners that are very, very high level and they bring it out in me and I start shining in the gym and I'm like, man, I'm ready to go. And then the guys I get in the cage with don't bring it out of me. And I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, just not going. Does that it, make sense? To you? The thing that, that stuck out to me, what you, you talked about there was you were talking about how the person you are in the gym and the person on fight night tend to be two different people. Is it, is it one of those things of you're flipping a switch on fight night? Or, or do you feel like sometimes things that you're working on in the training room don't always correlate into those things happening in the cage on fight night? I'm, I'm talking as in as if my training partners are better than my competition. Okay. And my, my training partners are pushing me and making me have to reach in my toolbox and pull out all the stuff that I, I can do. And when I get into the cage uh, on fight night, yeah, I'm going much harder and I'm, I'm, you know, the nerves are there and this and that, but I don't have to reach in my toolbox and really go use all my tools yet. 
like for instance this guy here i boxed with him a little bit i cut in cut out and then just took him down and then ground and pounded him the whole fight and mm. and i felt like ah eh, i was i was kind of upset you know because yeah. i could do much more and but there's some people that you just can't look pretty fighting um mm. if that makes sense it's yeah, yeah. uh there's there's some people that you just got to do the basics and get the win and that's what i had to do and uh you know we'll see it, now that short notice opportunity is your mindset it can be at 55 or are, are you saying you know what if there's an opportunity at 70 i'll take the 70 opportunity just to get in there yeah 100 percent um yeah either either or um i'm gonna actually go i talked a little bit to jason house a little about it was I wanted to go over to Vegas and get a DEXA scan done because I want to see if I can make 145. Okay. And that would be an awesome weight for me. Um, so that's one thing I want to do very, very soon. Um, so 45, 55, 70, so that the window gets a little bigger for me to get in, you know. Do you just cut, do you, do you just feel like getting the 45 you think would not be an issue or is it more of, you're just wondering if is if it's a, a, a realistic possibility. Um, I believe that I can do it if I stay extremely strict on my diet for the whole time. Yeah. Um, when I make lightweight, I'm strict on my diet for about eight weeks, and okay. it's a struggle to get to fifty five. Okay. Um, but you know, one seventy is definitely over over what i would want to be in there at but mm -hmm. it would it would really all depend you know obviously yeah get, you get that opportunity to get in there you, you take advantage of that opportunity to get in there and uh, maybe we'll see you inside the octagon here in the very near future colton as always man i appreciate you coming on the show of course uh let me know they can find you on social media and of course anything else you want to mention man yeah thanks man i appreciate it i um you know god willing we'll, we'll be in there soon um it's a uh, I'm, I'm pumped for this this uh time in my life and uh if you guys want to follow me on instagram you can follow me at white assassin 155 Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who has now won four in a row. He is coming off a 42-second submission win via Kimura B2 Fighting Series 179 there right here at the beginning of the month on April Fool's Day. And he's already got his next fight lined up here on June 10th. Christian, uh, appreciate the time. You know, one of the, the Instagram posts you had was you were talking about the start of your pro career and the fact that you start 0-2 and, and now you've been on this winning streak of, of four in a row. Like, is there anything that you look back on and, and – was there a turning point or did you just say those first two fights just didn't go my way? Well, there was a, man, there was a huge turning point in my career. I went 0-2. I wasn't taking things very seriously. And I was just kind of a part-time fighter. And I'd gotten around Eric Anders and some other big names, you know, and they, like, I could just tell that they were all in. Like, And I had other fighters, like, do videos and tell me personally, like, you got to sink the ships. Like, you just got to – it's sink or swim. And – uh I just kind of did that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to move. I'm going to go find another gym. It's just a fresh set of guys. It's strictly MMA. And I went to 10th planet Decatur and ironclad. Uh, I joined ironclad cause I had watched my coach, Matt Elkins fight for a long time. And I knew he was a gamer and I knew he knew what he was talking about. So I was like, if I can't do it with this guy as my coach, maybe, uh, maybe MMA is not the sport. You know, I was kind of, I was at that moment in my career where it was like, 
maybe I should get the nine to five and like <clears throat> just kind of take that path. I was owing to, I was kind of down on myself and it pushed me hard. I was like, I'm going to do anything and everything that all my coaches asked me to do, whatever they want me to do. I'm doing a hundred percent. I'm going to get as good as I can. And, uh, man, I just did that constantly for about two years, year and a half, two years. And I, my game changed completely. I got to where like guys that I would, I would go in a gym and like used to, I would have issues with them. Or I'd be kind of like kind of, uh, on the worst side of things when we'd spar, I was getting where I was getting the better of them. And like, I was figuring out my game, what I was good at. And I was, and everything I did, I was going all out. Like I, I figured out that in my head, I was like, even if I'm not necessarily like built for this per se, and this was my mindset. I mean, I am, but I was just saying, you know, in that time, I was like, even if I'm not, I'm going to work until I make myself built for it. Like I'm just going to work my butt off because it's something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to chase like the dream and like the spotlight of all that and just like do something with my life. And I never really felt like, uh, I mean, football, I loved football, but I was like, eh, I don't really like it that much, you know? And I worked on trucks for a little while and I hated working on trucks. So I was like, this is the path. This is my path to what I want to do in life and just uh, making something for myself. And I worked my tail off and slowly just nicking away at the freaking 0 and 2. And now I'm finally up to 4 and 2. And I, I was actually talking to my teammate yesterday. I was like, man, you know, like, it seems like I'm doing great, but then I look at my record and it says four and two, and I'm like, all right, we got a lot more work to do. Like, like as you think about your mindset, like even going back to those first two fights or even your amateur fights, and, and you think about your mindset now, are we talking like it's a drastically different way that you, you just view the fight game? Drastically. I uh, Just the way I fight, the pace that I set, Everything about me is different. I used to be, if you watch my amateur fights, especially, and you know, my last few fights have been quick, but it wasn't, I didn't go in there and just like put everything into 30 seconds and like get the finish. I technically found the fish, like the, uh, I efficiently found the finish in a quick way. But when I was an amateur, it was just like, I'm going to give you all I got. And if you can't survive the storm, then I win. If you do survive the storm, you win. <laughs> And, of course, uh, you mentioned a 42-second submission win, Kimura win. Uh, Not the first time you've wasted no time going out there getting a Kimura submission win. Your first pro win was actually uh, 32 seconds via Kimura. So is a Kimura, is it it one of your favorite submissions, or is it just, hey, it just presented myself and I went for it? Dude, I don't know. Like, jiu-jitsu, if you do jiu-jitsu, or do you do jiu-jitsu? Yeah. You know, there's just kind of like, you kind of like have your – favorite submissions i wouldn't say it has turned into my favorite but it started out as something i just seen it happen a lot like it would be a wrestling exchange and i would go to like hit a switch or something i'd be like i could just hit a kimura from here you know like when i reach over the back side and then i got to where i would hit kimuras on high level guys and i would just see them opening up everywhere and man i hit them all the time now like i don't necessarily look for them it's just like my muscle memory is just like we, I, my mind just finds them all the time, no matter what position. Sometimes I'll be on bottom and I'll create a threat with the Kimura. They could be in side control and I'll create that threat just to roll them and then I end up on the top. So it's just kind of become like um, my thing. Everybody knows me for my Kimuras at this point. Is it also, you know, 
you talk to the guys and sometimes you know you, you've got that that game plan mindset heading into a fight you know you've you, you've watched a fighter and you're like hey I, I know i know his tendencies I, I know hey he's gonna you know if he throws a leg kick he's gonna follow up this as you've about you've gone on with your career have you more gone into that mindset of okay yeah there's a game plan but i'm just looking for openings and whatever's there that's what i'm going to take yeah, so I definitely come in with a game plan every time, you know, but uh, it never goes as planned. And, uh, <laughs> the the last fight I had planned, I was like, man, my game plan, this guy has like a low base. He kind of leans forward a little bit, you know. I'm going to go in there and try to find that like teeth kick to the face. And uh, I threw it and it did not work out. He ended up, whenever I missed, he come, I come back down, he caught my leg and threw a big overhand and headbutted me, but. I mean, that was kind of one of those moments where it's like I seen it in my head before the fight. I was like, this is how this is going to go. And it completely went the other way. So I kind of I, I have a game plan, but I'm prepared for however it goes. Yeah, I've kind of come realize that it's not going to go the way I think it's going to. You know, when you speak about your previous fight, of course, I was in Bellator where you were a, a massive betting underdog in that one. So, uh, you know, did, did uh, you make some happy friends that night where they went there, they went to the window and, and cast a little check on you? Oh, dude, everybody. Because, you know, I had never fought for the big stage. So I went out to the lobby to meet my friend, like the people that flew out there with me, um, some of my sponsors, my family. And I was out there like looking for them and everybody in that place was stopping me. Dude, you won me so much money. Thank you. Can I please get a picture? It was so awesome. That was uh that was like a something out of like a movie or something. That night was incredible. Is that like when you think about memorable nights in your career to this point? Is that the most memorable night that win in Bellator? By far. That was uh that was insane, man. You know, like they say like the knockout punch is like that one that you throw and this the one that does connect, you know, like you might throw a couple knockout punches where you just kinda like close your eyes and you're like, I hope this one lands <laughs> when that one does land, dude. It's just especially on Pat Downey, because I've been watching Pat Downey for a long time. Mm -hmm. I knew who he was, I knew he was good at jujitsu and wrestling and everything. Or not necessarily jujitsu, but wrestling, very good. And uh, whenever I got back up, I was like, okay, that's, that's step number one. And then when that last punch landed, I was just like almost in disbelief. Like I turned and when I walked off, I was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I, there was so much pressure, man. I, I had never dealt with betting odds before because, you know, mm -hmm. at the regional, yeah. I'm sure there's there might be like buddies betting. But yeah. aside from that, there's no uh, there's no big betting sites, and that's all I heard leading up to the fight was, dude, they got you a uh, what is it a plus nine sixty? Yeah, I was, I was just looking at topology. They had a plus uh, nine hundred. Yeah, so like that's all I heard about the whole entire fight camp was like, they got you this, they got you that. Oh, I'm gonna put money on you. So man, when I was in that cage, I was just like the pressure was on. I I think, but I think from the outside looking in. A lot of people would say going into that matchup, the pressure's on your opponent. He's the guy that everyone's talking about. He, he was the the prospect that everyone was looking at and that he had all the pressure. They, I would think a lot of people might look at you and say, there is no, I mean, obviously there's pressure regardless. I think we all know that. Yeah. But I think outside looking in, a lot of people would have thought that you would not have felt that pressure going into it. Well, I think the, I think the reason I had so much pressure is – like I said, I've worked so hard for the last two and a half years or 
probably about two, two and a half that I'm just like, I'm going to do something. And it was really just like pressure to myself that I was just like, I didn't, I cared about the odds. Cause like that played a factor of like hearing it all the time. Yeah. But it was really just me putting pressure on myself. Like I've got to show my people, the people that believe in me, I got to show the world, like I'm here to do something in the sport. And that was just, I knew that could be either such a downfall or such a huge moment in my career. And I mean, it played out great in my favor, but it definitely could have went the other way. And obviously it was a huge moment. Now the nickname, the Vanilla Gorilla, how, how do we get the nickname? Ah, man, I was probably, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for a long time. Um, and I was down in Birmingham training and a couple of dudes were talking to me and uh, you know, we kind of made friends a little bit. So they kind of started picking at me or whatever. Nothing like nothing bad. Just kind of like making little jokes. Well, started grappling as like, damn, dude, you feel like a gorilla. And, uh, I was, uh, I just kind of laughed it off. Didn't think nothing of it. And my dad on the way home was like, I'm gonna start calling you the vanilla gorilla. You know, he's like the way you were handling those guys. That was awesome. And I didn't really look into it too much. And my next fight, I was fighting this big old black dude. So I was like, you know what? I'm coming out to the Vanilla Gorilla. We're going to try it out right here. And, uh, man, I came out to it, and everybody went nuts. I ended up getting a knockout that night. And afterwards, of course, everybody was coming up to me, talking to me, and they was like, dude, I love the nickname. That's so <laughs> sick. And I was like, I'm running with it, man. And, and mention, you've already got your next fight booked, uh, June the 10th here at Attitude MMA. Um, when, when did this one actually come together? Uh, so... The way this one worked out was there was a, I know I've known T Cummins, the guy I'm fighting for. I've known of him for a little while. He was a power lifter and stuff, and he turned MMA. Um, we've we've been liking each other's stuff on social media for years now. You know, like we're cordial. We're, we're, we've never like I knew I was gonna meet him at some point if my career kept going the way it was and his did. So I kind of kept my eye on him. And uh, after my last fight, I didn't take any damage. And then I jumped in a jiu-jitsu match with this really, really, really good black belt. And I did great. I had went uh, like nine minutes and 30 seconds out of a 10-minute match with a uh, Pan Am champion black belt. So in my head, I was like, I was on top of the world. I just finished this guy in 42 seconds. Then I just did great with this black belt. And this promotion messaged me. It was like, hey, I need a replacement for T. Cummins. You got about two and a half weeks. Are you willing to take it? Well, I shot Eric uh, Anders, my manager, a message, and I was like, hey, I just got offered this fight. I'm down to take it. You know, I've been training hard. I haven't really stopped training. I took a few days off to heal up after the fight, you know, celebrate or whatever. But I was like, I want to take this. Well, we, they offered it to T, and I guess T, respectively, I mean, I understand. He wanted, like, a full fight camp to fight me. Yeah. So the promotion sent the fight over to uh, Attitude MMA, and Attitude MMA picked it up, and they was like, "Hey, do you want to fight T on our show?" And I was like, "Man, we've all, I've already said I'd fight him at this point. Let's fight." Yeah. So we just uh, we just kind of replaced it to a different promotion. In, in terms of you know, you mentioned about you know you have a ton of respect for T. In, in terms of uh, what, what are you expecting out of him on fight night? I definitely expect him to be a hard hitter. I mean, he's a big guy. Um. We've kind of watched film on him. We've seen a lot of his kind of tendencies he does. he's He throws a lot of kicks. He's kind of technical, but he definitely lacks in the wrestling department where I'm really heavy on wrestling. Um, Jiu-jitsu, I definitely see that I could tap him out if I wanted to, but I kind of want to stand up with him 
and uh, just kind of see how the plan goes. But I definitely see it being a good fight because I'm more of a power guy. You know, I'm more of like a blast double, get you to the floor and like make you give me the Kimura type of uh, jujitsu. And I think it's going to be very tough to do that to him. But I think that uh, I think if I can play the long game, I think we can definitely do some damage maybe mid second round and maybe first you know i said the same thing about pat i was like it's probably going to be a second round tko because he's this and that mm -hmm. and that, that goes kind of go back goes back to what we talked about the game plan you know you can set whatever game plan you want but at the end of the day when you get in there things make them go completely south and you're doing something totally different you, you talk about the, the long you know long-term plan here like as you think about the rest of 2023 and the things you want to accomplish this year in MMA, like, have you set, you know, personal, personal goals for yourself of where you want to be when, you know, the counter, you know, shoots over 2024? Yeah. So my end of the year goal for, as far as my career goes, I would like to at least be in talks with the contender series or have a offer to go or some kind of bid or something. Yeah. So I'm trying not to shoot like too far, but I'm trying to shoot far. Like, uh, the contender series for me right now, I'm four and two, but I'm on a four fight win streak. So it looks good, but I'm four and two. Yeah. So I'm, I want to stay as busy as possible. And that was another reason I try to take that quick notice fight with T's because I just want to stay busy, man. Yeah. I want Sean Shelby, Dana White. I want all them guys to look at me and just be like, he's working, you know, and he's finishing people left and right. So, uh, yeah, I'd say by the end of the year, I'd like to at least be in talks with them about getting me on the show or heck, at best case scenario, I go fight for the contender series and get a contract. But of course, up first here is June the tenth here at Attitude MMA against T Comics. Christian, I appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know everything. Fight on social media, and of course, those sponsors that have been helping out, man. Uh, yeah. So I'd like to give give a shout out to my sponsors: Daniel Ramey's Playground Equipment, Bad Monkey Fabrication. Uh, let's see here. What's Sam, Uncle Sam's? Uh, Hold on, I got my fight shirt on. I can tell you right now. <laughs> hey, actually, I got fight shorts right here. I uh, Man, I always suck at this. After fights, I tell my sponsors, I'm going to give them a shout-out. I get in there. I get so excited. I'm just like, thanks for coming out. <laughs> uh, Raised Tire Service, Right Way Nutrition. She's uh, my nutritionist. She helps me out a lot and gives me great deals. She is awesome. Uh, Uncle Sam's Mattress Center. And creative design uh screen printing they're located here in coleman where i'm from they've helped me out a lot and there you have my conversations with zach cummings colton unglin and christian eccles and i uh, appreciate all those men coming on this edition of the podcast uh, it, to me the biggest takeaway probably does it really does come from that zach cummings interview and you know i mean look and, and zach paints the picture and you can catch that interview in video form too so maybe you can see a little bit of of zach's facial reactions but you know the one thing that i took for, away from the the retirement aspect of that conversation is zach basically saying I'm never going to go out in a better way than this. And I think also you you kind of get that sense of this is a guy that understands how much more wear and tear can his body take and to be able to live the life that he wants to live, you know. And like I always say, I never believe retirement's MMA. I just never believe them. But when I hear what Zach says, 
I, I tend to believe it is more likely than not that we do not see Zach Cummings fight in MMA again. Maybe, maybe we see him in like a jiu-jitsu competition or something along those lines, but I just don't think we see him in an MMA matchup again. And But you can you can hear it in his voice. You, you can hear it exactly in his voice that this is a guy that is torn because he went out there and put together a great performance. Now, it was against a 42-year-old fighter who was at the end of his career who also announced his retirement after that fight was over. But the other interesting part of that conversation to me was about judging and refereeing. And it was very fascinating to me because I did not know that if you work at an event in Missouri as a judge or a referee that you can't be affiliated with the gym, which then leads to a lot of the questions of if you can't be affiliated with the gym, do you sit there and are you do any type of mixed martial arts training? And I think that is very crucial. And I've had conversation with regulators about this. And I, I remember one regular saying to me, he says, said, Jay, look, all these guys, they train, they, they know what they're watching, but there are times. And you know, the fury main event a couple weeks ago is a prime example where you look at that referee and you go, clearly this guy does not understand jujitsu and he should not be in there. And, and that's, that's the frustrating part about that, but I thought that was a really interesting one there. Then, of course, uh, Colton Uglin talking about, you know, hey, he's staying ready for a short-notice opportunity, but it was also really interesting of him talking about the fact of wanting to, you know, test himself where he feels, you know, which my perception of what he said was, I feel like I'm just not getting tested on these re- on the regional scene. I'm just so much better than these guys. And, you know, look, he's with a management agency that does an incredible job of getting fighters in on short notice. Prime example of this is Marcus McGee last week. Marcus McGee steps up on less than a week's notice, goes in there against Jerry Newsom, gets it, gets the victory, and now he's in the UFC. So uh, very interesting to see what happens there. Colton and of course uh, Christian Eccles who uh, is also represented by the same management company that also Colton is represented by now four and two his MMA career and he started zero and two now he's won four in a row including that big win there uh, against uh, Pat Downey Jr. there in Bellator you know two of his four wins are by Kamora submission in 32 seconds and 42 seconds but you know my takeaway from kind of that conversation I had with him is I didn't walk away from that conversation thinking like, hey, this is a guy who wants to be on the fast track to get to, say, the UFC or get to Bellator or get to PFL. It does kind of seem like he has a mindset of like, yes, that's where I want to be, but I think also understanding that he wants to get those reps in there. He just There's times where I've done interviews with fighters, and I feel like there very much is a wanting to be fast-tracked to get to those major promotions, but my takeaway from the Christian interviews, I just I, I, I didn't take that away. I, I, I took it as a guy who understands like, you know, hey, I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm ready when I get there because, I mean, look, we have seen fighters get to the UFC, get to Bellator, get to the PFL just too early in their career particularly in the UFC and you know what they have a couple fights and they're out of the UFC and now they're a journeyman and and whether or not they ever get back to the UFC is a big question mark so I uh, appreciate all those gentlemen coming on this edition of the podcast of course as I mentioned next episode will come out on Thursday look for that Thursday night uh, myself and Dan will be recording that Thursday evening so it'll probably come out my my guess by the time we get it up uploaded on on all the podcasting platforms and on YouTube at that show will probably be about you know 11 o'clock East Coast time PM on Thursday evening so uh, right when you wake up Friday morning it'll be there in your podcast libraries also be over there on the MMA Report YouTube channel of course so be sure to check out the MMA Report on YouTube we've got a lot of great content that's going up over there of course uh, we're going to be looking ahead to UFC 288 I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that one championship card I mean I, I do I, I, <laughs> 
I will say, I think it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine with this one championship card, just because I know that the state of Colorado was commission shopped on this one, and one championship was able to get some things accomplished in the state of Colorado with being able to run their own rule set that uh, I don't think there were many other United States-based commissions that would have uh, I've gone along those lines, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Of course, uh, Sage Northcutt's on that card. Of course, we haven't seen Sage in a while. And of course, uh, DJ and then, you know, I, I've seen some stuff from DJ. I mean, obviously this is we're, we're on the last chapter of the Demetrius Johnson mixed martial arts career, so Always got to take advantage of. We got an opportunity to see one of the the, the all time greats of the sport compete. But then, of course, uh, Saturday UFC two eighty eight. As I mentioned, I'm really uh, excited for that main event. Um, you know what? What do we see out of Henry Cejudo after being away for as long as he is has been away? And of course, Aljo with you know what he can do. I mean, I I, I mean, look, I think it's a pick 'em fight. I'm not sure what to expect out of Henry Cejudo. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that when I think about this matchup, and, and this I guess will be kind of tipping my hand of who I'm going to pick on Thursday night. Uh, right now, I would say as I sit here on a, a late Monday afternoon recording this here in my St. Petersburg, Florida studios, I'm leaning Henry Cejudo in that one. And, and I think the big reason I lean Henry Cejudo in this one is I just think that Aljo's going to have to win this one on the feet. I don't think he's going to be able to utilize his grappling. I think that, you know, Cejudo will be able to stop those attempts. I mean, look, if Aljo can somehow get on the back of Henry Cejudo, yeah, Cejudo could be in trouble. But right now, if you ask me if I had to make a pick right now, I'm probably picking Henry Cejudo. And uh, I think sometimes, you know, when, when a fire hasn't competed in what, I mean, what, it's been two years, you know, you know, a year and a half, two years since Henry Cejudo competed. I think sometimes we forget about how great of a fighter Henry Cejudo is. And uh, this is, it's a great matchup, great matchup. At 135 pounds, of course, co-main event, below Muhammad, Gilbert Burns. Give give all the credit in the world to these two guys for stepping up to, you know, step up to not not just help out, you know, us fight fans to give us more intriguing uh, fights on, on a UFC pay-per-view, but also the fact that these guys step up on, you know, what, a couple weeks notice, they said, no, no, let's do five rounds here. So massive kudos to both those guys. That, to me, is another pick style fight between those two guys. I mean... You know, right now, I would probably pick Gilbert Burns in, in this one, but I, it's one. It it definitely is one of these matchups that if it goes five rounds, that I would I might lean below Muhammad a little bit. I, I do wonder could below Muhammad just put a pace on Gilbert Burns that maybe wears him down round four, round five, and of course you know the winner of this matchup puts himself in a great position. You know Dana White has made it very clear that he wants to do Leon Edwards and Colby Covington next, and but if for some reason that matchup were not to come together. The winner of Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad puts themselves in a great position. So myself and Dan, we're going to preview that one. They're coming up here on Thursday. Of course, we'll talk about everything else going on in the world of mixed martial arts. But as always, appreciate taking your time to download and listen to this episode of the podcast. Do try to get out two uh, podcasts a week. I'm not sure if I'll be able to get a, a, a podcast out early on next week just because of my travel schedule. But I'm definitely going to try to get that one in. So I appreciate you tuning in for this episode of the M Airport Podcast, which you can always hear on your favorite podcasting platforms and RadioInfluence.com. 